we know that 74% of resumes are never seen by human eyes. So either you haven't written it right, you don't have the keywords in there, or more commonly, you've made some key mistakes there and things you shouldn't include. Hi, this is Diana Brunello O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. You may have seen our guest, career expert Robin Ryan, featured on Oprah or Dr. Phil, or read about her through news outlets like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. We are thrilled that she could spend some time with us to talk about proven resume strategies and ways to make the most out of LinkedIn. To learn more about Robin, you can check out one of her many books, such as 60 Seconds and You're Hired, or you can follow her column at Forbes.com, or you can listen in right now. Here we go. Hi, Robin. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you with us today because with your longstanding experience, I feel like we could dedicate the entire month to a conversation with Robin Ryan. Um, But let's just jump in because one of the big questions we always hear from people is just how to stand out. And so much of that starts with the resume. So what are the mistakes that you see people making on their resume? Well, number one, they can't get through the applicant tracking system. We know that 74% of resumes are never seen by human eyes. So either you haven't written it right, you don't have the keywords in there, or more commonly, you've made some key mistakes there and things you shouldn't include. The other couple of mistakes, too, are the job descriptions are very general. They're very boring they don't show any outcomes. They don't show any results. Employers hire you because of what you can do on the job and what you can achieve. So when you're writing your resume, you're trying to bring out points such as, I saved this much money, or I made this much money, or I, um, for example, you could say, you know, reorganize the operating system for the the uh, database that saved employees, you know, 15 hours a week. Yeah, yes. Okay, we can say something (laughs) like that. But if it's ongoing, and it could be a whole year, take that 15 times 52, and you got a much bigger number. So you want to make points like that. And the last thing to Diana is that they don't target the resume. When you're applying for a job, that's the only position they're hiring for that you're sending your resume in. They are not going to see it if you're looking for something else. So if you don't have the skills, the education, and the background, don't apply. Well, and you're talking about putting on the right outcomes, too. You know, not just what you did, but what were those accomplishments? What were the net impact on the company? But you also mentioned keywords. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about keywords, because I feel like clients call and say, I know I need to use keywords, but they don't know where to start. They don't know how to identify them, and they don't know how to really apply them on their resume. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, keywords are what a recruiter or an HR manager or hiring manager is going to type into the computer so that it goes through and think of it as a big file drawer. Yeah. And it's going through that file drawer really fast and it's pulling out the ones that are appropriate. And the the common mistake is that people say, 
what's the secret? There must be secret right. words that I don't know about. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> you do know these. So let me share with you what I do when I'm working with my clients. The thing that I do with them is say, let's talk about this job that you did, your current job, and tell me what are the work tasks? Because these are often some of the keywords that they search for. So they might be, for example, it could be project management, process improvement, contracts, negotiations, maybe you do sales, uh, maybe you're doing, um, you know, programming, you would list the language, whatever they are. You want to make a list of those and incorporate them into the resume. The other strategy that some other people like to do is look at the job description. Take a highlighter. When you're reading it, highlight the key work skills they're talking about. They're telling you in there what sometimes, some of them are very vague, but they're usually telling you the important skills you need to list. So, you want to take those words, those work task keywords, and intersperse them throughout the resume. Make sure you make a bullet point. Make sure you stress what your accomplishment was and the outcome that you achieved doing that. And a couple other pieces of advice when we're dealing with the applicant tracking system, because I want you to be very careful. You want to be sure there's no text boxes, no tables, no columns, because the applicant tracking systems are not sophisticated. They can't see those. They typically can't read colored ink. Uh, shading has a tendency to get messed up and you can't read the words in it. So you want to just have kind of a very clean, straightforward format, nothing creative, no <laughs> graphics, okay? So those of you that hate that news, uh, you know, you can create a pretty one that you can send to them just before the interview. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I do speak to a lot of Gen Z or young millennials who really love the color and they want something to stand out and they think that that's their way. But I think what you're saying is, you know, if unless you are a graphic designer or applying for some type of web developer job, you are probably better off going with the tried and true regular resume. You have to go with the straightforward black ink resume with no design in it. And here's why. I worked with a creative director yesterday. So she's in charge of all the art and the creative and her resume rocked. I mean, it was a piece of art. And I looked at it and I said, this is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And she says, well, yeah, but I'm not getting any responses and I can't understand why. And I said, because the applicant tracking system is not seeing any of it. It's seeing these graphics and it just thinks they're, and, and it can't read them. So it comes down to either goop or nothing. And so that's the compromise. Keep in mind, you're the one that needs the job. They will ask you for a portfolio. They will ask you for samples of your artistic work or your creativity later on. Yeah. But keep the resume clean and be very results oriented. Well, the other category that I've seen grow over the last few years is the skills section. Because originally skills was, you know, I know Microsoft Excel, I know PowerPoint, etc. But now skills has evolved to everything they want to say about themselves, whether they have a good sense of humor, they know French, and they're a team player. I mean, how do we really hone in on the skills that should be highlighted? 
in the resume, I only highlight skills that are related to doing the job. So, for example, personality traits. Yeah. I'm reliable. I'm energetic. I'm, you know, whatever. Those kinds of words I don't use. Yeah. In LinkedIn, when you do the about section, you can add some of those things in because it wants you to be personal. It wants to see your personality. But remember, the resume is scanned quickly by the eyes of the recruiter or the HR hiring manager. 15 second glance is all you get in the beginning. That's so so hard for people to hear. That's true. But if you can't instantaneously capture their attention, then your resume is going to get in the no pile and they're going to go to the next person. One thing you should have is what I call a summary of qualifications section. So it's up at the top and it tells them, it summarizes in four to six sentences what you bring to the position. So it could be your years of experience, that you're an award-winning marketer or whatever you might be, that it can hone in on some of what you know my strengths include, blank, blank, and blank. So that summary can be something that can be beneficial, but we don't sit there and say, you know, Oh, I'm I'm so reliable and I'm so dependable and I'm always there. They don't want to see stuff like that. Remember, you're supporting soft skills, okay? Communication skills, leadership mm-hmm. skills, things of that name, teamwork or whatever. Those belong there, but not not personality traits. Let's not add in personality traits. Well, I like the idea of the summary because that helps tell the story. One area where people also get tripped up is when they're disappointed over their title. You know, I think of a lot of marketing assistants who have a title of assistant, but they really are a social media strategist or, you know, they do a lot more than that. What can someone do if their title in the HR department, on their payroll, whatever, is not ideal and doesn't really tell the full story? How can they, they get around that? Well, I see this a lot. I live in Seattle and I work with a lot of technical people and, you know, tech three tells us nothing. And so (laughs) it's the same thing you're saying. If you're a marketing assistant, maybe you want to use the word marketing coordinator, marketing specialist. Um, Those words convey that you did more. And if it's accurate, if that's what you've been doing, you don't have to have the exact title, as long as it's representative of what you did. So let me be clear here. We are not lying, right? okay, because lying would say I'm the marketing manager, and you don't even have any leadership role, and you have a marketing manager boss. That would be a lie, and unfortunately, people do lie on their resume, but it falls apart in the interview, so. Don't do that. But, but, But I look at what's the work the person did and what's the right uh, title to represent it because you also want to come up in the applicant tracking system. So uh, a marketing assistant might only be found if they were looking for maybe an admin person and marketing coordinator might be the words that they search or specialist, you know. Mm -hmm. And so something like that would be a better choice. And it's accurate, but it still reveals to them more of what you did. 
Yeah, and this is your marketing piece. This is the one that gets you in the door. If you get three or four steps down the road and they're about to make you an offer, when you give the reference, make sure that the reference knows exactly the title that you gave them. And I think at that place, at that time, you could probably say, you know, my direct title was marketing coordinator, but I was known as the marketing strategist or, you know, that's the real impact of the job. I mean, if you need to, if you feel the need to really clarify, there will be a time for that. Usually, when they call for a reference, they're talking about your workability. The person has already agreed to be the reference. Never give somebody's name that you haven't got permission from and that you know is going to give you a good reference. We still talk to references. They are important. And in fact, a really smart idea is to try to get a few people to write a recommendation for you and put it on LinkedIn. That's very influential to the employer. They read all of that. A lot of times, right before you come into the interview or right after you've left it, the decision maker goes to LinkedIn, looks at what you've got posted there, tries to evaluate that from what he just heard or she just heard, and make a decision. Those recommendations can be so influential, and most people overlook it. All you've got to do is think of, okay, maybe I've got a former boss. Um, maybe there was a, a person I used to work with. Maybe it's a vendor a customer I called on, and ask them to go into LinkedIn and write you a couple sentences in the recommendation section. Very powerful. And it lasts forever. That's even better. Well, and the resume and LinkedIn are so tied together. So we're going to get to the LinkedIn profile in just a second. Before we do, do you have any final tips on the resume of things that people should be looking for to make sure that they do stand out the best they can? Add a cover letter. Tell I'm me about finding, the cover letter because we've yeah. been debating. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I I will tell you that so many people have it in their head that they don't need one, that they don't have to write it. They do find it hard to do, mm -hmm. and so they skip it. Mm. Well, you don't want to skip it because it's a chance for you to stand out. And in the applicant tracking system, if you apply for a job and you have your cover letter with your resume, when the recruiter clicks on you, both are seen on the screen. And typically, um, a recruiter has a screen like I do. I've got, you know, three, four screens across. Yeah. They're extra wide. I can see six pages at a time. And they will start scanning that cover letter. If you are able to write something very targeted and specific to their job. That's the key. It can't just be some generic thing that you created and says, you know, I'm applying for this job. Uh, I want to work for your company. Uh, call me for an interview. Yeah, that That's backfires. Yeah. It needs to say, here's what I would bring to the job. So you open with your top selling points. You know, I've got 10 years of experience as a graphic designer. I can, I can do photographs, videos. I can create brochures, logos, blah, 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 blah. And this is the background I bring to your graphic designer role. You're illustrating right in that opening paragraph what you can how you can do the job and then the next part of the cover letter should be some highlights of your work experience that yes you can pull right out of the resume mm. and post it mm -hmm. and then conclude by saying I would like to talk to you in greater detail about your current needs. Notice how I don't mention, I think you're a great company. I really want to work for you. I love your benefits. I'm glad you have <laughs> free pizza on Friday. You know, foosball. In, in other words, folks, here's the, the thing. 
it can't be about you. It has to be about what you can do to help that employer who wants to get that job performed there. So we must focus on the employer needs. You'll end up benefiting if they offer you the job, but right now you got to tell them, how can you meet their needs? Well, and I think some of these strategies still exist no matter the generation, no matter the pandemic, no matter the technology. These are the things that you talked about in your book, 60 Seconds and You're Hired, right? About being able to list your accomplishments and how it makes a difference in that company. So I'm I'm glad you're emphasizing that. Let's go into LinkedIn, though, because I feel like there are so many people who have a LinkedIn profile, but they really don't know how to use that profile. So where should people get started? You need a good photo because when people look at your LinkedIn profile on the side, if there's no photo there, we know that you're 27% more likely to have the person click on you if you have a photo. Wow. And the reason being is they think you're active, that you're engaged in the network. You absolutely have to get this. The headline is not the job you have now. The headline is the most searched part of LinkedIn. So it allows you to go in there and put in some job titles and um, also to add if you have a specialty, you know, if you have some credential, for example, you know, uh, I was working with a young grad who was looking for a new job and he was going to apply for um, uh, SDR, which is like a sales development, uh, you know, I call them dialing for dollars jobs for a tech company. (laughs) And uh, um, so one of the things that we did was we put in that he had gotten the um, AWS cloud certificate. Oh, yeah. And by it, he didn't realize that that was something that he should put in the headline. And when I added it to his headline, he immediately started getting calls from recruiters. And so a lot of people don't realize that if you create your LinkedIn profile properly, recruiters will start finding you. 94% of all recruiters are on LinkedIn searching for talent every day. So you you need to be there. Um, but that doesn't mean... Diana, we don't post our resume. This is not a uh, place where your resume you. belongs. This is your personal brand. It's what the world sees. And so you want to keep that in mind. Headlines, very important. A good photo that's got a smiling face, smiling, show teeth, smiling. Okay. <laughs> Warm and engaging. Like, sure, I'd like to meet this person. Those are, those are some things that are very, very important. Well, let's talk about that experience section, because I have a lot of people who are really convinced that they should list word for word their resume into the LinkedIn experience section. So tell us how it can be different and tell us, talk to us more about that section. So when you get to the experience, the most current job that you have is probably the most important Mm -hmm. because they realize people move up. And so, and just to keep in mind, if you did it 20 years ago, no one's going to care because it was too long ago. And so if you're saying, yeah, but that shows my experience in a different field. Yeah, 20 years ago, unless you've been in that industry all that time doing something, selling to that industry or whatever, they're not going to care. So in the experience section, what I try to do is put in a few I'll use bullets just to illustrate what we're talking about. A few bullets. One, 
that describes the work experience with those keywords that Mm -hmm. you pull that right off your resume. And then I put in my top two or three accomplishments. Really, LinkedIn works better if you use the area to number one, not describe the job, but reflect what you did and show two or three accomplishments. You don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of time. Some of us are a little older than others. (laughs) And, um, you know, if you go back and list like 15 years, that's fine. Some of you might have had um, brand names, really good brand names in your past experience. All you got to do is list the job title, the company's name and the dates. That's it. But But realize that, again, we want to see accomplishments. What have you done? How innovative are you? How well do you solve problems? Do you save money? Do you make money? Those are the kinds of information, kinds of statements that you want to include, not only on LinkedIn, but in the resume, too. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the years of experience, because that is a common question, especially for people over 50, of how much to list, you know, how far back to go and what to drop, because there's got to be a balance, Robin. I mean, you don't have to go back to high school. But then again, (laughs) you can't go back. That ice cream job at Baskin Robbins, I'm sure, was very fulfilling and very important. But you also don't want to paint a picture where they are expecting a whole different person. So talk more about that balance, because I think that's a, a that's very a very popular question I get. Okay, well, the first thing is what a lot of older workers, baby boomers and Xers do, is that they create a skeleton and it doesn't have any experience listed. It just lists all the job titles they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I mean ever had. Typically when I'm writing these, I don't go back more than about 15 years. Mm-hmm. No one, it's not relevant. Here's why. I'm hiring you for the job that I want you to do now. It's either a lateral move or a step up. Mm -hmm. So something you did 15 years ago or 20 years ago is probably not at the same level. That's why they don't really care. The the last five to seven years is really what they're concerned and looking at. So those are the ones I, I emphasize. I think too, the other piece is, there's one other trick here. Many of you try to leave your years off for graduation. Hmm. If you leave your graduation years off on LinkedIn, which is fine, Mm -hmm. you do need to include them on the resume because many of these organizations will do a background check on you. And the first thing that they check is to see that you actually graduated from college. The reason being 30% of the people out there, unfortunately, are not good human beings and they lie and say they are got a degree that they never earned. So employers are very cautious about that and they really do fact check that part. It's cheap now to do a background check. Most companies do them. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I have firsthand experience there because we once, very many years ago, we hired someone and he was great. And it was the first few weeks. And we realized when we were doing the background check that he had not completed his degree. And this is in the days when you signed an application and he signed an application saying that he had a bachelor's degree and he wasn't just two or three classes off. I mean, he was a good two years off. And, you know, he came to me and he, he explained it. He's like, I know HR just called me about that. Had he been very upfront for the administrative job that he was applying for and said that, you know, I went to Columbia, but I didn't finish, he probably still would have been okay because we didn't actually need a degree. But because he lied on his resume, we had to let him go. Yep. 
And that happens a lot. Well, because what else are they lying about? Will yeah. they steal from you? Will they take things? You know, I mean, will they take time and turn it in when they didn't do it? Trust is an important aspect. Um, and also, so that's the, the strategy there, because I, I get it all the time about they'll know how old I am. You know, we're not hiring an executive level person who doesn't have a lot of experience. We're not hiring someone who's senior, like, you know, the senior bookkeeper. It, she just got out of school five minutes ago. So keep <laughs> in mind that you're applying for opportunities that should be in line with what you did. You know, there's one more thing we've got to bring up about LinkedIn, and that's how to become more visible to recruiters, because there's some things you can do, all right? The first one is post, and when the algorithm, LinkedIn is an algorithm, all right, when the algorithm sees that you are posting once or twice a week, you don't have to do it 100 times, it thinks you're active, so you move up. You're, you're going to be higher up in the response rate when there's when anybody's searching. So what I tell people is if you're reading an article on your phone, there's a great app called Flipboard, F-L-I-P board, mm-hmm. and you can, pick five, you can pick 10 areas you're interested in. So I could pick business. I could pick, you know, uh, HR, whatever, whatever areas you're interested in. And they will go out and congregate and bring articles. You read an article, you like it. There's a little button that says, you know, click here if you want to share. You share it to LinkedIn. You write a little comment at the top. And in five minutes, you've posted. So that's one important way to be more visible on LinkedIn. The other thing, too, when you try to connect with a recruiter, and you should, you should look, go and search the name people recruiters look at what they do and then try to connect with them try to find people in your area do not send them your resume and say what is my do you have any jobs for me no that's not the right (laughs) approach okay we want to connect with them by saying um you know i'm a um data processor and I do big data, uh, data analysis too, and I see I would like to connect with you. So you tell them what you do and you say, I'd like to connect. Then the next question could be, um, you could also approach it differently. Some people would say, you know, I'm a data analyst and I am looking for a new position. I was just checking in with you to see if you have any openings at this time and if you're doing any kind of search for that type of a person and let's connect so the recruiter is a very busy person they don't have time to look at your resume so whenever you make a request of them make it quick but most of them will connect with you because they know the bigger their network is the better it's going to be for them to find people for whatever job openings that they have and if they're an internal recruiter they typically will look for a lot of different jobs in a lot of different areas and keep in mind like I said do not send your resume unsolicited. If they want to see it, they will ask for it. Well, the other thing I've been seeing on LinkedIn, tell me what you think about this, is the open to work badge. Is that too desperate? Okay. LinkedIn thinks it's great. (laughs) Of course they do. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, I sat through a meeting with the 
the people that created it. Okay. They did a training for media and for, you know, some, some HR people. And okay. I sat through both of them. And so we said, I said, well, I'm going to speak for the career counselors of the world. They said, okay. And I said, the career counselors of the world don't like it. We think it, uh, it could turn recruiters off. It could turn people off. Um, and they're like, well, it, it goes up a little bit. We, we know that they respond to it. And I said, you know what, your headline, they're going to respond to. Mm -hmm. So I personally tell my clients, it's your personal choice. But for my clients, they then they turn around and say, well, would you put it up there? And I say, no, I would not. Mm. Um, I think that you have a brand that you're selling. I think that it may make that brand be a little less um, luxurious if we do that. You don't want to be what I call the Kmart blue light special. No. So I personally don't use it. You. But you make your own choice on that. I, I will tell you that the jury is definitely out. We have not had enough data to say whether or not it's effective because it hasn't been out there that long. So uh, I, it, you got the right keywords in there. You've got a good headline. You have good content in the resume. Recruiters are going to respond to you. And at the end of the day, one of the things that I know you and I agree upon, because I've, I've seen your work, um, I'm going to put in the show notes some links to not only your website of RobinRyan.com, but your contributions on Forbes online, but networking. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still all about networking. So give us a few tips for folks to really focus down that path to help accelerate their search. Okay, here's my biggest tip. Only 7% of any job opening will get a referral. And yet, of the referrals, 43% of those people, so one out of two, will land the job. That's how powerful a referral is to the employer. So when you see a job opening, let's just say the opening happens to be at American Express. Go into LinkedIn, look at your personal network and say, do I know anybody that works at American Express? Try to connect again with that person and say, I've applied for this job online. Make sure you apply for it online. And then say, would you please be willing to pass my resume on to either HR or the hiring manager for me? Because an internal employee can go in and either see the opening and who it's connected to or find out who they need to send it to in HR. That's what we call a referral. In fact, some companies pay for referrals. That's so, true. And that's helping you out uh, will make some money if they hire you. Referrals, very, very important. If you don't have that option, the next thing is start networking to, with people and start out with telling them what you're looking for. Don't expect them to have a job, but ask them to tell you information about their company, um, if they know other people that you should talk to. Because if you just say, well, do you have an opening? The person's probably going to say, well, no, I don't have an opening. And that's the end of the conversation. Write out three or four questions that you want answers to. Most networking sessions, unfortunately, now have to be through Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, ask if you can do them through FaceTime. People seem to be more open and receptive to FaceTime and seem to hate Zoom. We're Zoomed out at the end of the day. And I'm sorry if you don't have an iPhone. Um, you can use Facebook Messenger. That's another video free video chat program if they have that. 
letting them see you and being able to talk with them, that's very effective too. Make sure you expand the current network on LinkedIn. Think about who do I know that's not in my network? Do I have friends of friends? What about if you're a young person? What about your parents and their friends? Um, what about other colleagues and other people you know? The more people you know, the better the, the network is. And LinkedIn says you should have between 300 and 500 people in your network for it to be an effective tool. Well, and then you've got to get out there because I talked to one recent college grad and she felt like she had lost um, time. Like she had missed the boat because all her friends did it in college and she didn't. And she was afraid to start because she had so few connections. But I said, you know, you got to start somewhere. So just get out there and start, start building. And networking is about talking to people. It is making connections, asking people for help. Um, a lot of young people, it's interesting, they won't talk to their parents' friends, but they'll talk to their other friends, you know. And and we know that there's a lot of jobs that aren't advertised. So you need to be talking to somebody who maybe works inside the company, who can tell you where they're going. The other piece of information that might be very important is you see a job opening you're applying for, you connect with somebody and they say, you know, we're going to go through a huge layoff here. That person probably has already abandoned the boat or we've just laid so many people off. It is really, really hard. You're working 65, 70 hours a week, you know, so you can really learn some things that you might not have known before. And keep in mind, we have a lot of companies out there right now that are in trouble. And so getting good insider information. One question I tell all my clients to ask is, how has COVID affected your business, right? Uh, And the sale in the area that you're in, because remember, whatever they sell, whatever service they sell or whatever, uh, you know, products that they have, a lot of companies have been really not you know (laughs) devastated you know I I hate to say the word I wanted to but they've been devastated by the pandemic and so you want to make sure you're not getting on the Titanic so you got to you got to really have good information so that you can make a good decision and the last piece of information is this job hunt's going to take a lot longer than you think employers because they are doing remote interviewing it takes Oftentimes, they talk to you this week, and it might take seven to 10 days before they can set up the next interview. There is no come in for the day, meet everybody, boom, we make a decision. So the information I'm getting from my clients and from a lot of the people I talk to, it's not uncommon for you to have to go through six to eight interviews. And that means six to eight different Zoom calls. They don't put them all together for you before they make a decision and hire you. Robin, this has been so helpful. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. Will you come back again? Absolutely. I love doing this. So anytime I can be useful, uh, you let me know. That's terrific. Thank you so much, Robin. She's at RobinRyan.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think, so please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.